Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. Uh, my name is Chris. Of course, I am your host, certainly not with the most, but I'm here nevertheless and uh, joined by two of the three of the regular guests tonight. Uh, basically, Rich is running scared. Um, he knows what's coming on Thursday. He's fully aware that... No, Rich is still partying, frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but secretly, he knows. He knows that his day in the sun is done, and now he's hiding. Uh, so as you probably guessed, uh, Phil is with us. So hi, Phil. Hello. And uh, Jez is here as well. Hi, Jez. Hi. Right, uh, we've got a fair few bits and bobs to get through this evening, so we should waste no time. Uh, we're going to go back in time, first of all, and uh, talk about that, that large Qatar-shaped elephant in the room. Uh, we have Catastrophe. To... Oh, very good. I like that. Uh, we have to talk PSG, of course, because we haven't potted since uh, what I feared might happen. Uh, call me uh, clairvoyant, but I don't think even I expected it to, to go down as it did. Uh, Jez, let's come to you first of all. Um, PSG going out on the away goals rule. Um, I wasn't very comfortable with the penalty decision. I thought it was nonsense. Um, I think the rule's nonsense. I did agree with one of my friends who said to me, it's not VAR that's the issue, it's the officials using the VAR that's the issue. I can kind of agree with that. Um, that maybe that's more fair. Um, but overall, who do you blame? Do you blame the officials or do you blame the fact that PSG really did not turn up on the night and once again, old failings came back to bite them? Uh, first of all, I don't, I don't blame the VAR slash the officials. I mean, it's a recurring problem and I, I genuinely, I reckon nine, nine times out of ten in VAR decisions that I've seen, they've been quite clear to me and yet, they've still got it wrong. So I, I really, but first of all, it shows that it's not sorting anything out. It's not kind of end, putting an end to, to debate because the, some decisions just are subjective and run and run. Um, but it should never have come to that. No. Um, this was a poor... The current Man United squad is not a vintage Man United squad. And this was not even close to their first team. Um, PSG had a decent lead to defend. They were playing at home. Yes, they had a couple of injuries, but it was a lot closer to their first team than Man United's. There was absolutely no excuse for it. And you have to ascribe some of it to bad luck because the fact is there's going to be this fuss about, oh, you know, it's amazing. Solskjaer's got them playing so well. You have to give him credit. And the number of people who to me, insanely, have been saying, yeah, but he went with a plan. He said we're going to keep it, keep in the match till 10 minutes to go and then anything can happen. That's not a plan. <laughs> um, but, essentially, that is what happened. That is what they did. Like, you can't give United any credit. I'm not criticising them at all, but this was entirely about PSG. It was PSG not putting away the chances, putting PSG making big mistakes. And, um, yeah, on another day, Mbappe doesn't fall over the ball twice. Um, a couple of shots might go a little bit wider of the player and might struggle to keep them out. They did have 75% of possession. They did make all the running. But there is no way they should have been losing that match. And mm. while I think that in the past, some of the fuss about PSG being bottlers has been a little bit overdone, I think it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy and 
Um, although I, I would say there's only one, maybe two matches that they they've really bottled. I don't think they did last year. They didn't play well, but I don't think they bottled it to Real Madrid. They were the sort of, you know, they are now the three-time defending champion. Um, the fact that everyone has talked about this bottle thing so often, I think has be had become an issue. And as certainly is not so much the first goal, but as soon as United scored the second, then you could see that, you could see the nerves, you could see Thiago Silva dropping further and further back again. And, and it is an issue, and uh, you know, I, I really think it's time now to to ditch a lot of players. And I maintain it won't happen, but I absolutely maintain all of this can be laid at Al Khalifi's door. I really, really think he sets a terrible tone. The fact that he knows nothing about football, the fact that he gives so much power to two or three players, whether they deserve it or not, the fact that he's playing all these silly games in the background of the politics or communication, that kind of thing. I really think the fact that they're, they're, he's obsessed with the commercial side of things, when the best way to become a commercial success is by winning trophies. Kids, people in general are glory seekers. If you want to sell shirts, if you want to become big in Asia, all that kind of thing. Win the Champions League multiple times. Don't just do partnerships with Jordan. It's ridiculous. Um, and they are, it's frustrating because they really are so close to a very good team, but both on the playing side and outside, there, there's people who, I think some of them it's an arrogant attitude, some of them it is just a cowardly attitude, but there are people holding them back. And I don't think it would take that much to change it to make them success. No, no, it was very, very salient points. They almost pretty much covered everything I wanted to, to, to mention. Phil, for me, I just watching it exactly what Joe said there. I, um, being based in the UK, of course, I had to put up with all of the what a memorable night for Man United rubbish. Um, and, and and you know, fair play. Yes, there was there was swearing on this end. I'll, there, there I'll, was, I'll say that there um, was a bit this end, and they they were good. You know, we, we got to give them credit. You know, they they took advantage. But for me, like Jessa, the penalty is never a penalty. Um, I this is my thing with that because I don't know the rules because I've given up trying to understand them. If you've got something that is played in slow-mo and you've got expert ex-referees in the studio who can't decide, who can't agree with each other, then something is wrong. But it was given, and like Jez said, it should never have got to that point. No, I agree with that. You look at that first half, that Lukaku double. First one's Kara fuck-up. Second one's a Buffon fuck-up. Who should I mean, never have been in goal. They, they, they yeah. got a lot of assists. Fine. Um, my notes for this basically read uh, three bullet points. First is, holy shit. Second is, Ariola. And the third is, who was that French bloke who used to go on about sterile domination? Because... Um, my figures, Jez, might be slightly different. I got the marquee wafer, which was possession was 68% to PSG. Shot to 11 to 5. Target was 4 on 4. Pass completion was 92% for PSG versus 80 for Man U. And yet, when you look at the XG, which I just got from Mike Cayley because uh, I didn't get a second one, but it was that... 3-1 was actually in line with the XG. It was 1.3 versus 1.6 plus a penalty. Um, so it wasn't that 
Manuelaki so much, they actually just made more of the little opportunity on the ball they had. They were so much more efficient. And given that they were the ones with pretty much an entire midfield missing, as well as quite a lot of the attack, that is extremely impressive. And PSG, I keep uh, the day after their front cover was, this is even worse than the remontada when Barcelona pulled that off. What, I thought it was much worse. Much, much, I thought it was worse. Much yeah. worse. Everything I think about... they've broken records for being the first team to give up that level of advantage and go out. Yeah. This Later. is... This is bad. I mean, uh, you've got Mbappe saying he's not, he hasn't slept since. I mean, he seems to have scored tonight against Dijon in one of that's the games. He's worrying, but, he's worrying how his bad chance to get Real Madrid again. I mean, this this was this was a calamity uh, for PSG, and you know they're going to win the league. They're going to win it by how many points? Clear are they at the moment? Uh, Four. 14? 14? 14. Yeah, 14, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Like Jez like said, the model they're going for, they have to win this competition. And they've actually got worse at it in recent years. And that is a problem that, as he says, Al-Kaifi should possibly look at the way in which they're attempting to uh, enact that project and think that maybe their approach is not working and they should listen to someone who understands football. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, 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 as you said, like the arrogance of the night was, was poor. I thought the only other sort of two things I would, would say is that they... The, 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 I thought what Thomas Tuchel said about the VAR actually was spot on in terms of that if... Yes, these rules need to be looked at, but for me, that shot is going high, wide and handsome. It's nowhere near the goal. And as a very low-level footballer myself, I have never, ever jumped like a pencil to stop a ball. Yes, Kimpembe turns his back. I get that. But other than your grizzled, you know, third-division English centre-half, not many people jump with their face facing the ball. It's just, it's the way... <laughs> no, I mean, you know, fair enough, but... Just I, I mean, for me, Some people saying he, he, he was looking at the ball the whole time and he moved his arm. And he lifted his arm. Rubbish. For me, absolute rubbish. You know, so you so the, the momentum so the, of the body. But, so the then, but then everybody, and not just us, who, as you say, are not goalkeeping experts, but professional referees and former footballers are disagreeing about whether it was a penalty or not. So well, it, yeah. it should never have got to that point. No, agreed. But I feel very sorry for Kempan because I think he did that for France. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. It's like up, yeah. the lad can't catch a break. But that's, that's how it ended up. And it shouldn't have reached that point. That is the point, I think, that both Jez and I are, are banging on about. If you got that level of dominance... You should not be in that position in injury time, particularly given that Solskjaer brought on, what, three academy players as the replacements. Obviously, Bailly went off injured early and Dalot came on. But then he brings on Chong and Greenwood late, late on. I mean, not because they were already winning. They were they were still going out when he brought on two you know, a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old. Um, that shows a degree also of dynamism and hope for the future that I think PSG fans have been uh, bitching about for a while, rightly, and will probably uh, 
do more so after that performance because they could rest of the season sod it bench all the old guys bench all the old guys and bring in the youngsters um give them something which means that this championship win would point to the future Mm. i think that's going to be the only way you know they can they can go on from here i don't mean i don't particularly have an issue with Obviously, it would be nice if they formed their team of youth players, but even if it's the case of buying in players, fine, because they have to get rid of the Deadwood. Like I said, to me, that starts with Alcalati. It won't happen. I think they should get rid of Buffon. I love Buffon. I've always loved Buffon. I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. But mm. again, just having him in there sets a bad tone. Ariola, yeah. at the moment, is a better keeper, has done absolutely nothing wrong to deserve to be dropped. And could and, quite and reasonably feel a bit pissed off about the whole situation, which yeah. won't bode well for them hanging on to him either. So Although the only thing I would say about that is that um, <laughs> um, Juan Molina is a very good journalist, despite what um, PSG talk and all these new by fans who've never heard of PSG a few years ago say. Um, he uh, released quite interesting things about, um, about PSG and, and the lead-up to the match. Um, and one of the things apparently is that Ariola has to be turned late, turned up late. So that that might have been an issue. But generally, just I'm not not even just for this match. I mean, I think it sets a bad tone just putting Buffon in ahead of Ariola anyway. I think Thiago Silva debated several times whether he's any good or not, or not any good, but as good as some people make out or not. I don't think it matters anymore. I think he's. He's well past 30, and he's just tainted by the fact that he's, he's always been there throughout all these um, failings mm. with, with PSG. I think by that token, just by that token, I think he should be out. Even Verratti, I think it's debatable. I mean, generally, he is very good. But again, he's, he's always been part of that. Cavani is, deba- again, debatable. He's, he's, past his best. You know, it was interesting that when, when PSG turned out for training, um, everyone was um, sort of booed, interestingly, Rabio more than any other. And the only player that was cheered was Cavani. Um, mm. So, no, possibly the I don't think we should throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but... Um, oh, no, I'm not saying that. Man. I just think yeah. three or four players. Alves, why is Alves there? Great. Oh, yeah, that, Again, another Brazilian for this for this clan that's helping keep out Munier, for example, who's a much better player, arguably um, preventing Kera from developing more. And most of all, and it's not to say that he's a bad player, it's not to say that his attitude always stinks, but get rid of Neymar. You don't need Neymar and Mbappe. You have to build the team around Mbappe. It was the fact that they spent this extra 220 million on Neymar has hamstrung the whole team for years. They have no, or not enough of the midfield because FFP won't let them bring in the midfielders because they wasted so much money on Neymar. And how good, however good his attitude is, again, Al Khalifi giving him the odd day mat off, odd match off because he feels like it, letting him go back and forth and back and forth to Brazil, even when he's injured. Why is he doing all those trips? I saw someone the other day saying, you know, in terms of carbon footprint, the worst thing for the environment right now is a Neymar injury. I, I could say a Meza Ozil's <laughs> up there as well because we we seem to be doing we used to do the same thing for him. I, I think I think overall yeah, he's 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 only flying short haul. 
yeah. well, there is that. I, the days off is what bugs me. But I think overall, we'll draw a line of this because we could do an hour on this, but we won't. Um, the bottom line is it 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 does it doesn't help um, with with to, to, to French football as a whole, and it certainly doesn't help with this whole oh well their league's not strong enough, and that's what's cost them uh, rubbish, which once again reared its head in the English media standard. Um, there is a fear of sort of going overboard because. Like oh, I said, yeah. on another day, one of those chances goes in, PSG scrape, the penalty doesn't happen, and PSG get through and learn from their mistakes or whatever. But mm. it's just the fact that it's not the first time and it has become such an albatross around their necks. Not, you know, only one team could win the Champions League each year. It's not inconceivable that they still get knocked out at another stage, but it's mm. the, the weak way in which they, they sort of it's how it happened. It's, yeah, yeah, it's the capitulation rather than the the result. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of capitulations, that brings us on nicely <laughs> to Arsenal. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? It's almost seamless. Um, they went to Ren, Phil, and uh, and it mm. all went. Um, it, well, basically, let let's be perfectly honest. And, and I'm, from a French I'm, point of view, oh, I mean, think, it, uh, it was fantastic. But I, I have I have to take my Arsenal hat off. Slightly. I'm not going to take it off fully. I'm just going to move it to the side. Tilted. Because, tilted. Because yeah. at, at 1-0, with 11 men on the pitch, I'm not sure that result happens. All, I think 90% of friends' chances came uh, after the red now, card for Gratis. Yes, but... Not to say they didn't play well, because I thought they got a very rough deal from... Obviously, I, I've got a timeline full of Arsenal fans, but even people that I podcast with regularly were saying, you know, Rem were, were poor, they were this, they were that, they were there for the taking... I, I thought they actually played very well. well. I did. Yes, think that, oh, I think that was that, that was the pre-match kind of narrative as well. You mm. know, oh Ren, this is a good draw. This will be fine. This will be whatever. And obviously, when it won't be scored after four minutes, uh, with Quebec being, uh, they said on French TV in inverted commas, surprised by that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, that was not good. But I saw some people saying, you know, even even after Socrates was sent off, they didn't put much together. They didn't, you know, dominate. They didn't do anything. That, the first quarter of the second half was massive pressure. And Czech mm. basically saved you. Um, so they took a Burger, who, who got the equaliser in the first half, came very close um, uh, early on in the second uh, second half. Then it won't be taken off for Granduzzi, and that kind of changed your shape a bit. And looking just at the, I was looking at um, Beyond the Post, um, Elf Tegan Elf's uh, shot maps as well. Wobi at left wing was way further forward than anybody else because McDyne at right wing was kind of pushed back for the need to cover from the Socrates. He was right back, essentially, Mkhitaryan, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was very lopsided and whether the change was made early enough to try to get that back on track um, was kind of... Uh, Interesting, and then of course, on 65 minutes, you got that awesome own goal from Montreal, which kind of just threw an even bigger spanner in the works because all of that Ren pressure and it was kind of a flying backwards back heel from, from Montreal, uh, that, that got this the second goal in. Um, so I thought it was, it was a very interesting game. I really, I Apologies. I really enjoyed it because I was hoping for that kind of game 
that it wasn't going to be Arsenal turn up uh, all, you know, uh, big balls and everything and just, just you know, deal with these nasty mm. continentals. It was fun. And then, obviously, the final goal, the third goal, that's, that's... which is a really wonderful header mm. uh, from from star there to, to get that in but before that you could see Ren were having fun you know to take Buriga off they bring on Lea Saliki you've got Ben Arthur doing roulettes in midfield he made the Uova team of the week he wasn't the fastest player but he was the one maybe making the the connections and just putting in that that bit of sparkle so I liked here was the stats a much more level, you know, the pass completions, 83, 82, the possessions, 54, 46, but they got 19 shots to your 11. Obviously the red card makes a difference, mm. but they again took advantage of what they'd got and yeah. uh, they did it really well. And getting that third goal, I think makes the return leg fascinating because at two, one, I'd still make you favorites to go through. Mm. At three one, we got a game, and I, um, that's that's wonderful. I think, um, Joseph, get your thoughts because I, I think the key thing is obviously we we talk ahead of the second leg in two days' time. I I still think, based upon what I saw, based upon what I saw of Arsenal on Sunday, I still think Arsenal are, are favourites. We've had a development today in the Alexandra Lacazette is now available. Um, because Is this they've changed true or yeah yeah it's official um uefa have, have changed the ruling from violent conduct to quote unquote rough play which <laughs> which i thought was something that i used to that enjoy sounds like in my a kid's birthday days. party that goes slightly wrong you yeah know, soft um, play and soft then play, rough play, play. Yeah. um you have to pay good money for that in london but um i yeah i, I think that swings the tie slightly in Arsenal's favor because i have a feeling that that unai emery will probably set Arsenal up the same way as he did against Manchester United with two forwards with Ozil in the hole and, and he'll go for the throw. What do you think men have to do to get through the second leg, Jez? Because I, I do think they will score. This is this is what slightly worries me. But I have a feeling Arsenal will, will overpower them, assuming there's no more red cards. So what, what was your sort of view on the first leg and, and what do you think they have to do to complete the job in London? I agree with you, Phil. I think if it had been 2-1, I'd put Arsenal's favourites. It's 3-1, I'm really not sure I do, because I do, as you said, I, I, you know, everything you said about Man United being, being weak at the moment, I think it's probably even more true of, of Arsenal. And I really think that Emery's doing a massively underrated job having you competing for, for, for fourth place in a sort of transition season with the team he's got. I just, apart from a couple of players, I'm not sure that it's a particularly strong team at all, and especially in defence, which, um, for the best of times, I'm not 100% sure about, but has been pretty badly hit by injuries. And, you know, whether Mkhitaryan at right back is, is a seriously strange decision anyway, but even even if not, um, it's not, it's not as, in my eyes, it's not, it's not a strong defence. And... You can see Ren's forward line really posing problems, and, and yes, yeah, scoring at least one goal, which which obviously adds to the task for for, for Arsenal. And the, for me, the only saving grace is that um, uh, that Lacazette is back. I think that's a massive, massive um, sort of plus point for you because I just don't 
I like Aubameyang as a as a finisher and when he's when he's in one of his finishing moves, but I don't. As we've discussed before, I don't think he brings anywhere near as much to the team as Lacazette does. Mm. Um, and obviously, he'll he'll have the, the extra sort of um, incentive of it being against the French team and watching him again. Um, with him in the team, I, I feel slightly more. I feel that Arsenal have, have got a slightly better chance, but I still feel like you could be vulnerable to run counter attacks. You could obviously be vulnerable to his Milosar and his diving all over the place. <laughs> he got another player completely unfairly, I feel, sent off at the weekend. Um, I, yeah, it could, I'm not convinced that he will score three. Um, in which case you need to, to keep a clean sheet and I'm not convinced you can do that either. No, that, that's that's my main concern. I, I say keeping the back door shut. Can we win 2 0 at home? Absolutely did that on Sunday against a you know a much better side. But 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 they should have United really should have scored two. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That that will be the fear for me. I think and I, I think the first goal is is cliche, but it's key. You know, I think if Arsenal get the first goal early, um it sets the it sets the tone and then Ran have got it all to do. If Ran can get an away goal and sit on it. Um, you know, we we've had we have teams rock up at the Emirates and do this to us week in week out and find it hard to break down. So that's why I'd like to see an, an attacking lineup. It, it's it's well poised. Um, I think that's fair to say, and it'll be very interesting to see what what sort of game we're reviewing this time next week. So we shall see. Um, in the interest of sort of time, I want to move on to Leon now because we we still got them to discuss. They play in the new Camp tomorrow night against Barcelona. Um, this one's on a knife edge, nil-nil from the first leg. Um, Leon have got some concerns about their defensive side of uh, def- defensive side of things in terms of injuries. Um, Phil, I was saying to you pre-pod, I, I have a feeling they'll score in the mm. new Camp. My concern is I don't think they'll concede less than two. Personally, mm. I don't think they'll concede less than three. Um, what, what's your sort of hopes or, or fears going into that? Yeah, game I, th- I think we're we're looking at this. Um, Masala's a doubt, and their defence has been a little bit flaky, but he's been one of the solid elements in it. And so, if he's out, that that could be an issue. Um, from Barca's side, I understand that Vermeulen and Mbele are both doubts, but. It's not like they're short on alternatives. Uh, so, OL will have Fekir back. And I think we, we mentioned this when we talked about the first leg, that with him being out, they kind of had no number 10, so they had to play in a particularly kind of, you were hoping, kind of balls-out way, which a nil-nil result doesn't sound like that was what happened. But if... Fekir is there in the middle trying to pull the strings, then it might be a bit more kind of system matching. And I'm not sure that's going to do Leon a world of good. And there's some rumours today I saw in L'Equipe, I think, uh, whether Depay will be uh, preferred to Dembele up front. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, that's what the talk is, yeah. Which is... I can sort of see I, why, but... Yeah, you can sort of see why, but also it is a bit of a risk given that he can run hot and cold. Well, um, what Dubai turns so up, yeah, exactly. I think if they've got Fagir back and they play a 4-2-3-1 or whatever combination, um, in a sense it might be like versus like, and in that 
case you would obviously prefer Barcelona. Um, if they were able to, you know, throw in the mad wing men and the, you know, Phil and Mendy crashing up the from uh, left back, would that be more disruptive? Would that be more what Leon need? Unexpected kind of movement. Yeah. And so I I have a bit of a bad feeling about this, I have to admit. I mean, I really hope they do well. And they've got some very good players. But they've also got, I think, a sense maybe of predictability, the way they're going to set up this time, which Barcelona are just better at. Yeah. And so that makes me slightly nervous on that front. Yeah. What's what's your take on it, Jez? Is it sort of more more in hope than expectation? I mean, as I say, the, the thought of, of OL keeping a clean sheet is is unlikely, I think it's fair to say. But then we all sat here last... Well, I say we all. I, I had a fear of PSG, but we sort of said the same with PSG, you know, tie over, 2-0, job done. They do go into this game with a legitimate chance and, and almost like the Ren Arsenal game. If OL can score... Um, you know, they, and it, Anthony Lopez is decent. So. Yeah, I mean, could we have another coupe moment? I wonder. What, what's what's your thoughts, Jez? Are you sort of much like Phil and I? Are you fearful of what what might happen, or, or do you give them a, a shouting chance? I'm not fearful, and I do give them a shouting chance. And Barcelona are still, for me, definite favourites. But I don't think they. I don't think it's going to be a sort of mauling or anything like that. I think mm. I expect them to give them a good game and. Yeah, on a, on a good day. Um, I think a lot depends on whether Marcelo plays because I'm not, I'm not convinced about any replacements in the centre without him. I feel like Marcelo and Denaya are really the only sort of centre-back option and then the other, others are distinct second best. Um, but we saw in the first leg that it wasn't exactly... I know that Leon sort of shut up shot for the last half hour, so the stats you get and it made it look like it was all Barcelona. But the fact is that it wasn't, and it wasn't even sort of, uh, for the most part, desperate last ditch blocking and tackling or anything like that. Um, so, you know, if, if they can do that again and Barcelona has another bit of an off day, um, you know, Suarez has found more form since that match which is a bit of a concern because it did really feel like Messi was the only player in the first leg who had any ideas there um, so Barcelona are definitely favourites but that, the fact that they didn't get that away goal is important because it doesn't if Neon can get that one goal then Barcelona do have to breach that breach the Neon team twice which of course they're capable of doing but by the same token I really think that Neon on a good day are capable of, of keeping them out, certainly limiting them. Um, I think Dembele will be important. I think he'll definitely play for Leon. And I think he's he's been fantastic this season, not just with the goals, but with his hold-up play. Um, and for the other players, Depay um, in particular, and Dembele as well, it, it simply is it's time for them to sort of put their money where their, where their mouths are. You know, they make a big fuss about how... Depay certainly and Dembele, there's rumours that he has done as well about you know, how, they, how they should be somewhere bigger than Liam. We'll prove it. You know, this is the biggest, the best shot window you can have. Um, show that, that you're a big game player, which Depay has not done this season. Um, this is the best place to, to turn up and do it. Mm. If he wants that big summer move, then this is as good an addition as you're going to get. Mm. Yeah. I think uh, elsewhere as well, we've got... Um, 
in the uh, UOV Youth League. Um, I think OL uh, through to the quarterfinals after beating Ajax on penalties after a 2-2 draw. And uh, so their next generation is, you know, kicking cheerfully. Uh, yeah, cheer- cheerfully kicking things up as well. Um, and also on Wednesday, uh, Montpellier are the other French team at this stage who will be playing at Chelsea, uh, looking for their quarterfinal spot. Future is bright, we hope. Um, I'm just, uh, we're going to get on to the weekend's action next. Just a very quick sidebar. Antoine Griezmann's hair continues to amaze me. Oh, God, what's he done now? Well, it, 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 the blonde has kind of grown out now, and he does just look like a bit like a pensioner. It, it's just sort of this blonde, uh, this sort of brown mess of curls. It's, it's quite the thing. You have to be quite, quite, uh, quite a man to rock that. Anyway, yeah, I digress. I've, I've been too busy looking at the... Uh, French kit for the upcoming World Cup. Oh, I, I like so that. Conflicted as it's, we want to get. Oh, it's the delicious. Classic blue or the kind of polka dot hexagon thing. Oh, I think the, I'm going. I think I'm going polka dots. The, the away one is delicious. Yeah, I like the I away like one. Um, people are saying it looks like a hospital gown or pajamas. I'm like, no, no, I'm a big no. fan. I'm no, I, I scarily quite like a few of those kits, but I don't think I've got the There's trip. a lot of good ones. I mean, I did start uh, because there were quite a few people responding, uh, quite a few men responding to the posts about the World Cup kits saying, will there be men's versions? And I hope there are because obviously, you know, you deserve to take part as well. Uh, but if not, I did do a little thread on Twitter about how women's sizing equates to real life, which isn't often. But, you know, I think basically if you're like 36, 38 inch chest, uh, large, extra large should be fine for you. If you're bigger than that, you may need to be going higher. But don't worry about darts or anything. It's just going to be a bit nipped in at the waist. So go for it, guys. You're going to look lovely. <laughs> Tight fit all the way. Breaking news as well. Uh, I say breaking news. Um, the, the talk is the OL lineup tomorrow will be uh, a, a back three with wing backs with both Depay and Dembele utilised up front. So that that's the talk. Interesting. So who, who hang on, who uh, the suggestion is it will be Denier, Denier, Marcelo and Marcel as the centre-backs. Marvellous. Uh, assuming that he's fit. Dubois and Mendy as the, the full-backs with Toussaint and Dombele and Fakir in the three with... Oh, you see, I, I like that. Dubois, Dubois. Yeah, I do. It's good. very much the what Arsenal did against Man United, funnily enough. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be interesting. Oh, and uh, it looks like PSG have beaten Dijon 4-0. Uh, Eric Chupamoting getting the 92nd minute fourth after ones from Marquinhos Mbappe and that free kick in off the post from Angel Di Maria earlier on. So PSG are unsurprisingly unbeaten in ever. A while. 17 yeah. clear now. 17 clear. Which leads us nicely onto the weekend's action. Um, we're not going to go too much into depth with these because obviously we have kind of uh, spent a lot of time in Europe but to run through the results OL got a, a 2-2 draw having been 2-0 up at Strasbourg uh, two goals from the aforementioned Moussa Dembele um, he had uh, scored one first in the third minute and then second with the penalty spot before Ozuk got the uh, two back for Strasbourg two in a minute in, in fact <laughs> two in a minute I was wondering how the hell that happened and I still haven't managed to find highlights they, they just sounds like well. that was that was 
awkward. They they merited it. I thought they they battled well and, and deserved the point. Um, Omien got a two one victory. Their good season uh, continues um, in in terms of uh, I suppose where they want to be. If you Staying up is what they want. Uh, they won 2 1 at home to Nîmes. Uh, Jurassic with the opener before he was later sent off. Uh, Peters with the winner after Eliou had equalised for Nîmes. Dijon needed to win at home, you felt, to ramp. They didn't. They uh, mm. drew 1 all, but having been down to 10 men off the, the fourth third. minute. Yeah. I mean, it was like Kulibale sent Jesus off. Christ, lads, help yourselves out. Yeah. There were seven red cards at the weekend, and that was with only nine games played. So it was a little bit chaotic overall. A little bit fighty. Um, Zanelli had put uh, Ram in front before Sleety had equalised from the penalty spot. Uh, Bordeaux, rather surprisingly, uh, getting a point away at Monaco, given forms, etc. Jimmy Brown's penalty equalising Falcao's opener in the Saturday night games. And then on the Sunday, another one of those red cards came as Montpellier drew at home to Angers, having been two up through Delorean Skiri. Our thousandth match in Liga, we go 2-0 up, and then they're down to 10, and they still equalise. I mean, what, what the, the hell is... And they got their two goals, having been, as you say, reduced to 10 men, uh, Pavlovich, uh, uh, Fulgini, and, uh, of course, who else but Hoken with the late, late leveller to uh, take it to 2-2. Two, two. Um, Lille just keep winning. They won 1-0 away at St Etienne, who were down to nine by the end. Debussy off to Yellows, and Wabi Kazri also sent off in stoppage time. Nicola Pepe, 87th minute winner in that one. To lose, uh, also took advantage of a 10-men team. Marcus Coco sent off for Gangomp, who lose again. The Arsenal legend Yaya Sanogo with the winner there. Uh, Ren also winning 3-1, another game with a red card, although as Jess touched on earlier on, very unlucky for uh, Omegon being sent off for two yellows, throwing himself to the floor for the second one, quite comically. Kazumininga had put Khan in front before Benjamin Borrego kept a very good week for him before Unu and Mbainiang got the third. There was a fourth, but it's ruled out via VAR. So good week that for Ren, not a good week for Khan. And finally, in the game that I said I hope would be good, wasn't good. Marseille won 1-0 against Nice. Uh, Mario Balotelli with the winner in what was a pretty horrendous game. Um, I I freely admit I started doing the housework with 10 minutes to go because it was very clear that uh, I think, to be honest, uh, you could have played till midnight and I don't think there would have been a goal for Nice uh, if that had happened. So there you go. Uh, that was they, the... they, they are not scorey. No, it, it was just. I mean, the I'm one thing. I'm like, impressed how they've managed to stay up that high, given that they've only got 20 goals scored, and the only team worse than that are Gangomp, who were last. Yeah, I, mean, I, suppose, I suppose the one thing you would say, and, and this is more in favour of Marseille, and their um, defence isn't even any good. Yeah, well, no, okay, 28, fine, but wasn't great. I, I do, I do like the new sort of Marseille with Balotelli and a, and another forward. That's one thing I would say I do like. Yeah. Um, and I thought it's either Jez, it was either yourself or Rich tweeted, but um, if if Marseille can persist with this and make the right signings in the summer, they could kick on now um, because that that setup does look like it's better with two. Um, and whether you like him or you, I've been saying that for. About a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think whether you love him or you hate him, I think Mario is a good fit at Marseille, yep. personality-wise. Yes, character-wise. it needs to be. A, you need to be a strong character to be a striker there. I think mm-hmm. Valerjeman, everybody kind of likes him, but he's not a guy you'd want on your 
outside in no. a fight in a bar. And I think you would say that about Mario and that therefore means he is a good Marseille player. I'm not stereotyping. I'm, it's just, you know, the, the dynamism. No, I, I agree. I, I, I think if they can get a, what I would call a nippy striker to go alongside him, I think that really could be not so much the final piece, but one of the pieces in the ever-growing jigsaw at Marseille. I just, I don't know who that man is. Um, but I, I'd be interested to see if they could add some some pace alongside him um, to see what what would come of that. I guess we shall see. Um, any uh, any other things to talk about the weekend? I suppose the only other thing I would probably mention is kind of touched on there, but Lille winning in, in Celeste. It's a big result for them. Seven clear now of, of OL. And with Marseille's win and Noel dropping points, the gap mm-hmm. is now only three points. Um, so y- you could legitimately see Marseille potentially leapfrogging OL, depending on what happens tomorrow night. Obviously, OL might have their minds elsewhere, or they might not. Um, but Lille have got some really tough matches coming up. They have, yeah. I mean, so look for Marseille got PSG now. But, yes, look and Owell will play Montpellier. Will that end five one? There is a there's a right. there's a Marseille Lyon very near the end of the season. That's yeah. the one I'm looking at, isn't it? It depends where both teams are when that fixture happens, because that could be a a real six pointer playoff between the two, couldn't it? When when that game actually gets played, um, I can't see uh, God God love them, but I can't see Ram continuing this uh, wonderful season. Above where they are in fifth, Marse- uh, St Etienne. Well, they're playing Nantes at the weekend, so I can see that continuing. <laughs> yeah, I think they can for get at least another result. week. I mean, they're. I just think over the course them in and around. Over the course of the whole season, I think probably those those three are going to. I mean, I I still think Lille will will get second, but it only takes them to lose a couple and the teams below them to win a couple. Suddenly, we've got a three horse race again. I, I don't think those places are all shaken out just yet. Yeah. Um, but they do all play but, each other. I mean, Lille are fairly safe. They're seven points clear in second. It's yeah. the Lyon-Marseille thing, which I think is going to be interesting. I don't think the Rams are going to hit the podium, but no, they, they've they got the, the character and the kind of cheerful enthusiasm to just keep fucking people up um, just, high up the table. So... You just never know with different different games, different results. But it, it's definitely a case that things are interesting. Um, and just while we are here, before we give you next week's fixtures, um, I think probably fair to say that Gangob and Khan are, are really struggling. Mm. Um, and and at this stage, Dijon, it, it's a bit of a bun fight between which one of those three gets the, the relegation playoff spot. And which just... is why, with Gangob playing Dijon at the weekend... Yeah. If Gangon continue that reasonably decent run of form, five points in the last five as opposed to one for Dijon, um, that Gangon could hop up into the playoff spot and it's Dijon. But it does look like, as you said before the pod, those three kind of fighting it out for the various positions. Yeah. Because there is then a six-point gap up to Monaco, who appear to have, you know, they're unbeaten in five. They found their next wind, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, you yeah. almost look at it and you almost think to yourself, Gangon Khan and Dijon can, all, can almost just play off with each other and say, look, one of us is going to have an opportunity to stay up. Let's mm-hmm. focus on the games we've got and try and finish 18th. Um, speaking of 18th, we'll just dip into League 2 for a minute. Because Mets are top. Um, 58 from their 28 played 
Lorient play Brest at the weekend. Lorient sitting third in 49, Brest in second on 54. Are you confident that, that Mets will be making a return? And, and who do you think are coming with you, if you are? <laughs> I'm, I'm more confident about Mets going down next season if they do go up than, than going up this <laughs> I saw I saw a Mets fan refer to them as uh, League 1.5. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> quite, quite apt for Lorient as well, actually, yeah. Um, I mean, they're really, they're not... Obviously, part of it is the, the mitigating circumstances of, of Antonetti not being around at the moment. But they're not playing particularly well at the moment, but they are somehow staying up there. And even this weekend, yesterday, or a bit more than the weekend, I played last night, on paper, just the draw at home to Sasha, who are in terrible form, is a really poor result. But actually, they've stretched their lead a bit because West and Lionel both lost at the weekend. Not yeah. Rest shockingly to 5 2 at home to Valencia, who are in no particularly great shape. Um, and the fact that Brest and Norrin are playing this weekend, obviously, is, is possibly a good thing for Mets. Either one team uh, drops further back, or a draw gives them again a chance to, to, to build a bit of a lead. But yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly confident in any match that Mets are playing at the moment, unfortunately. Diallo's only scored a penalty, but for the most part, I lost this. Uh, misplaced his, his shooting groups, but hopefully the the lead they built earlier in the season will be enough. But yeah, even if they do go up, a lot of work needed before next season. Never, never confident. Well, in the interest of the pod and, and you and I, obviously, I hope that Mets and Lorient are the two that go up. Um, it'd be very interesting if if Lorient can can beat. Um, because that will obviously cut that gap to just a point, um, which will be very interesting. Sorry, just two points, which will be very interesting. Uh, Loz uh, are also up there, as are Paris FC. Uh, Toi and Orléans considerably, or could be considered to be in the run as well, Even maybe even Clermont. Probably Toi upwards. It's going to be one of those six to go up to automatically, one through the playoffs. So, interesting in Ligue 1. Um, just while we're on the, on the subject, Red Star are bottom, 22 points. Uh, Bézier are 23 points, second bottom. Sosho in the playoff spot. Nolsey, four straight wins for Nolsey, including one at the weekend against Lorient, standard. Uh, they've won four on the bounce. They are pulling away. Um, as our Gazaleka Jaxi, although they've been on a bit of a slump recently as well. So interesting in Ligue to say the least. Um, we'll finish just by looking ahead to the weekend's games in Ligue Um As Phil mentioned, PSG have won 4-0 tonight. Um, they are playing the Classique, which is obviously the uh, the big fixture on the Sunday night. Yes, Marseille playing on a Sunday once again. Um, also, we've got Bordeaux-Rennes on Sunday, which might be worth a look in terms of what happens to Bordeaux on Thursday. Uh, sorry, Rennes, and what happens to Bordeaux. Unless Rennes get dispensation because they're getting <laughs> To not play, yeah. They could have the rest of the season off if they get through the tie on Thursday. It's uh, got really... Con- I, I cannot keep up with the, the stats and the dashboard because there's so many games just postponed and replayed and snow and yeah tear gas and anyway <clears throat> I, I think uh Lille versus monaco on friday night i mean i know monaco uh, have had a bad season but they are pulling themselves together and Lille versus monaco just feels a bit old school like you know two seasons ago this would have been a top of the table clash mm. so uh i think uh 
it's good to have Ligan back on Friday night, which we've missed for the past couple of weeks because of basically issues, police um, <laughs> interdictions, and various other things. I think, um, and depending on how hard Strasbourg are trying ahead of the cup final, uh, mm. Nim Strasbourg would be. Yeah. You know, not not necessarily anything to play for, but some sense of entertainment could be a really good match. Yes. Yeah. Ah, yes, because yeah. the no, the Coupe de la Ligue final is the thirtieth of March. Yeah, just, I just mean Strasbourg seem to have taken it but yeah. that's a gift for Pedro since they got to the final. This quite it could be quite a pivotal weekend in terms of the bottom end, because if you look at if you look at things, Gangomp Dijon speaks for itself as, as a mm-hmm. massive, massive game for both. Uh Ram Nantes is a massive game, particularly for for Ram in terms of where could they where could that leave Nantes if they lose again? Um, obviously, OL Montpellier is, is a different kettle of fish. Carl St Etienne, it will end five one to something likely. Carl um, Etienne for me that's that's a big one because having watched Carl away at Ren, yes, they did look defensively all over the shop as usual, but they did offer some something at least. Carl uh, um, Etienne are a bit. They haven't won this year. Meh. No, but under mm. under new management, Carlin, they they just looked a little bit a little bit more threatening in terms of their attacking side of things. And Etienne have lost three of the last four and are sort of having a little mini slump. I'm not saying Carlin will win that, but if they could, suddenly that sort of Dijon Gangon game gets even bigger. Well, I think it's it, quite an interesting weekend. Dijon winning that arguably brings Monaco back into play as well. Yeah, because, um, yeah, Monaco. They're a lot harder to beat now, but the last two matches, frankly, were both very winnable matches. And, and I think Gangon look in much better form and able mm. to take that, and then that hops them over Dijon. It's a, it's a tough game for Monaco as well, isn't it? Away at Lille, um, given you know what Lille are playing for. That's Pepe, undefeated. Pepe against Glick in a in a race. I'm not sure we've done that. Or, or Naldo, yeah, which, which yeah. Way, yeah, could be interesting, that one. But, yeah, it's, it's got a, a decent-looking weekend. And Angers, Armion could, could be fun as well for <laughs> sort of two sides that are at Sorry, sort of mid-table and ne- above. Never. I don't Did know. Yeah, um, Angers and Armion. I think Amiens play decent football. Angers yeah. is not necessarily always good football. They've got a couple of good footballers, uh, Tate and, uh, and Fulgini, for example. But, uh, you know, I think they're doing... Yeah, again, I think Milan is doing a quite brilliant job. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of a sleeper fixture. I just looked at it and gone, on paper it should be dross, but I, I don't know. I just have a feeling it might be entertaining, as I thought um, last weekend's game. I didn't expect to be entertained by it, but I, I tuned in for I mean, a... I'd, I'd expect that to be a better match than Khan against Antetia, just yeah. football-wise, yeah. I mean. The nerves will be in for for Kanye. You'd expect that to be cagey, wouldn't you? Yeah, I did enjoy Amiens Neem last weekend. I must admit, I didn't expect to, but I did. Um, okay, good. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much us for this week. We've, we've kind of had to crowbar an awful lot into one pod, so hopefully you've managed to stick with us. Um, we have had a really good question this week. Um, so for that person who's written in, we haven't missed it. We will be covering it probably during the international break because yes, it's a good Pierre, question. There you go, Pierre. We, we have you noted. Uh, and we are keeping it for when we are better prepared. Yes, so we will, we will discuss that. Um, I presume this international break, uh, this shows how much how much I'm uh, clued up. I presume it's friendlies, the next international break, is it? I, I, think no, I have no sorting idea. Nor do I. So we'll, we'll cover that when we get there. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we will cover that question because it is a good one. So uh, thank you, Pierre, for sending that. This, by the way, this could be a really interesting 
France squads. I'm not convinced it will be with Deschamps, but there could be big changes. In yeah, that's, I suppose that's one thing. As much as I adore him, and it's not his fault, and I still think Taylor has given the chance and set up the first goal for Chelsea winning last week. Giroud is not getting playing time. No, he's not. Dembele and also Sebastian Haller in really good form, as well as Lacazette, obviously. Do you um, think he comes back to France in in in, in the summer, Jess, just out of interest, Giroud? I mean. Do you think there um, could be a romantic return to Montpellier, or oh, because <laughs> because he's not he's not going to play he's not going to play for Chelsea, is he? Realistically, and and I I, I, I well, the, the thing with Chelsea is, I mean, first of all, it depends if Sarri's still there, I guess. But also yeah. remember that they've got a transfer ban. Well, so. this, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And, and they're probably going to sell Hazard as well. Play for Montpellier, given that the style has changed massively since he left. I just still think he can do a job for a very decent club, personally. Um, yeah. you, know. you know, I could see him maybe replacing Falcao. Yeah, Monaco. Maybe. I'm not sure he's judging himself. Well, Falcao so, goes yeah. off to play baseball, according yes. to his Twitter feed. Yeah. It'd be interesting. interesting. That's probably one for another time. But yeah, yeah. I but, yes. but there are a few players pushing for, mm. pushing for a first cap. I could see... I think the plus about Dubois and Sadio Bundo, I can see Lala definitely. Yeah. Lala's one, I'd, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm. even at his age, I think he'd be a real. He's got to get in ahead of Sadibi for me at the moment. Um, I, I think. think you got Tolisso's nearly back to fitness as well. I think this this probably will come a little bit early for him, but still very much in the thoughts. Good to see him back to, to some sort of fitness. And Titi's getting back to fitness as well. So, yeah, it'd be, be well, interesting yeah, to see. Defensively as well, and by all accounts, Longley has been fantastic. Laporte remains very good. So, mm. yeah, well, there'll be a lot of talking points. Plenty to keep our eye on. Um, no doubt he'll still be asked about Benzema. Oh, good. God bless him. Uh, what better way to leave the pod than on Karen Benzema? I can't think of no better way to leave it. Um, we will be back next week, obviously, where OL and Ren will probably be the, uh, the the tasty morsels that we should be tucking into. Um, will we have any French clubs left in Europe after this week? Who knows? But uh, we will cover it nevertheless. So they will be the main focus of attention next week. If you have anything you wanted to ask us that's uh, nice and easy to, to get done, then please do send those questions our way. We'll do our best. Uh, uh, and I... The Parisian team just qualified for the basketball champions league. Oh, that, that, does that count? I don't know. That's, that's almost as bad as egg chasing, Jess. Goodness me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, tune in for French, uh, French Basketball Weekly. Chris Jess will be doing all on his own next week. We're going to need to get Gib back in on this, actually. He's... Yeah, actually, he'd love <laughs> I, I actually don't know it's about it. I just saw a tweet. Nor me. There's, I'll, a, I'll there's a brilliant, there's a brilliant Twitter account with the French Federation of Losers, or something like that, <laughs> which basically celebrates how awful and mentally weak too much of French sport is. <laughs> Can only um, imagine what it'd be like if Tottenham were in the French league. It'd be hilarious. Anyway, that's definitely for another time. Um, right. Okay. We will draw a line there. Um, our thanks to my colleagues for this evening. So thank you very much to both Phil and to Jess. Thank you for your time, people. Thank you. And uh, as I say, we will be back next week. Uh, not sure whom we'll have, but uh, if if Arsenal go through, don't expect to see Rich. If uh, if Arsenal do crash out, I'm sure Rich will be hosting because I'll probably throw myself off a cliff. But if that doesn't happen, I'll be back next week. So thank you very much for listening. Enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon. <laughs>